Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Garen and Jordan coming to you on the 26th of February talking about Garen's message yesterday on Baptism Sunday, Garen. Baptism Sunday. That was really exciting. You got to love baptisms. I mean, the, the Eric, I sat on the back row with Eric when he started coming because we always had to take it, pick up internationals and tights it in the back so I could leave without interrupting people. Like, I've just, I've known that guy since he first started coming and his story yeah. was so exciting. Yeah. Um, I love his story and have loved knowing him and walking with him. So, yeah. Seeing people come into the kingdom, nothing like it, right? If you walked out of church yesterday and your cup wasn't full, I think that's on you because yes, that was, that was pretty good. Hey, quick uh, bit of news, bit of business before we get into the pod here. We are going to take next week off because we will be at Exponential Conference uh, out of town. So we will not be able to record. Um, we're going to Florida for a conference. So pity us. Pity us. It'll be really hard. I think we're praying for cold weather for you guys so we feel better about being there. <laughs> yes. But the weather's been so nice <laughs> that we actually may just have the same kind of day you guys are having. Yeah. So when Actually, I think one day last year, it was warmer here than it was there. Yeah, uh, that was not a... I, I, was, I was truly not happy for you guys when that happened. Yeah. And that we also experienced that deluge. Was that last year or two years ago? Remember when the, oh, the yeah, biblical it flood rained like the whole time. I know, man. That was uh, Shoot. crazy. But we're going to be suffering for our faith yeah. down there for several days. And we're dragging the interns into it. Man, I just... So Lucas, Bailey, Jack are coming along. And, it's an honor to suffer for the gospel with you, Garen, yeah, on that one. That's right. So Garen, let me ask you this. Um, you started by saying that baptism is a big deal. Why is it a big deal? Why is it more than somebody just getting dunked on stage? Take me through... Just briefly, the meaning and the weight of what happened yesterday. Yeah, as you know, the last several times we've talked about that it's, I mean, the main thing in Matthew 28 is make disciples and baptize them and then teach them to obey. It's like the first command. It's the first thing to do after coming to know Jesus. And he, it matters to him. He, it matters so much. He did it, an act of baptism, even though he didn't need it. And it's it's my way of showing this. I really chose this and I want it publicly known. That's a big deal. I, you know, I've, we've said it before, but it's like getting married and telling your wife ahead of time, by the way, I'm, I'm not wearing my wedding ring ever because <laughs> I don't want anybody to know I'm married. I mean, can you imagine how that would feel? It's, it's an honor to say, I'm going to publicly stand, declare my faith. I'm going to do this act of baptism, showing the death, burial, and resurrection, how I died in Christ, came alive in him in front of, people, the family, but also in front of people who don't know him, declaring the gospel. Yeah. It's really significant. And that's why even Payson, I love the fact, you know, he had gotten baptized as a child at eight, can hardly remember it, if at all. And he's like, 
I'm doing this now because it's after I came to give my life to Christ, and this really means something to me. And that's what baptism is supposed to mean. And so um, his story is a really great story. Yeah. Yes. Uh, It's depicting something really profound and really mysterious that happens inside of us, that our heart is changed by Jesus, that we're a new creation. And to get to display that in front of people, there's no better way to share Jesus with people, right? Yeah. And and those that are still like, I'm not sure I want to do that. Yeah, it's nerve wracking a little bit, but I tell you the people, I always ask everybody afterwards, how was that? And they're like, that was more amazing than I imagined. There's just something about it. I even, you know, a lot of people, Protestants have said there's, it's not in the saving way, but there's some way that God meets you in that in a really unique way. And you feel it when it happens. I still remember mine very vividly. Mm, Very cool. Okay. Let's get into what you talked about, Garen. Uh, You pose this question uh, that's age old. Why did God create us, right? Why did the Trinity decide that he needed us around? Yeah. A question I got asked all the time by people who didn't know God. Isn't it interesting and, that whether people follow Jesus or not, believe there's a God or not, everybody has this kind of question in the back of mind yeah. about like, why, maybe created is not their language, but why are we here? Yes. What's the purpose of all this? Yeah. What's at the center of all this? Yep. Yeah. So really, really good message to share just with anybody. I think it answers questions that we all have. You dove in and talked about the fact that God is love right? In 1 John, it, it talks about this, 1 John 4. And I wanted to quickly ask you, what is the difference and what are the implications of God being love versus God just being a God who loves? You know, yeah. see, see what I'm saying? Yeah, there? or who is love. Yeah, the difference being that one is, it's something that I do and we're that way. I love and sometimes I don't love, right? Sometimes... I lose my cool or I'm, I treat somebody with a cold shoulder, which is the opposite of love. But God is like, in my essence, I am love. That's who I am. I can be nothing other than that. Everything I do flows out of my love. And that's very different than who we are. And it really is the starting point for me for this question is why did he create? And we'll get more into that. But it's this idea that he is love. You said something there that everything that comes out of him is loving. So Garen, what would you say to somebody who points to parts of the Bible or points to their experience with, you know, Christians and says, that's not very loving. You know, God in the Bible, he commanded, you know, Joshua's army to kill people. Or, you know, this is the God who tells me that there's something wrong with me, that that I'm sinful, that the way he made me isn't the way he wants me, right? Yeah, that's their right. understanding. So how is God love in those instances? Yeah, what I that's a well, that's a big question. I think the main thing I would say is um I think when you're a parent you get this a lot because sometimes you do things to a child that to them fears, appears very unloving and but it's actually a deep reflection of your love. Maybe they're doing something that you know if that habit continues long term, if that little rebellion grows into a giant rebellion by the time they're 20, it'll wreck their life. And so I come against that. I'm even in a healthy anger, and but I'm doing that. That's out of love for them. It's also out of love for the other kids who are watching and who are like, okay, that's serious. I shouldn't do that. So that, that would be a short explanation. There's a lot of things we interpret as like unloving actually comes from a very deep love. If you mm. think of a, of, a, of a parent's love, if you've not been there yet, you'll get there one day and yeah. understand it. But. Or maybe is it accurate to say, you know, if someone is standing in front of us with a knife, it's a little unnerving. But if the person holding the knife is a surgeon who's getting ready to remove something yeah. 
harmful in your body, uh-huh, right. then you'd say that's a loving act, yeah. right? Yeah. That they would yes. cause a little bit of pain in the short term to remove something that could destroy yeah, us. That's right? a great example. Is that? Yeah. Great. That's great. Great illustration of that. That, yeah, it could, it just, it depends on the context of that, but what could appear unloving is actually a very right. loving thing. Yeah. Painful. It's like you're cutting into my body. What in the world? Mm-hmm. But it actually is from the hand of love. And so I'd say to me, that's my mindset. And so when I come across those things, I'm remembering he has a higher level of love than I even understand. And I'm going to trust his heart that's behind it because he is love. It's not like when my sister stabbed me with a pencil when I was in the fourth grade and the graphite stayed under my skin for like months and I thought I was going to die. That was not, Kara, if you're listening, that was not loving, but God is not like that. I think every kid has that. I had a couple of stabs like that yeah. where the lead, it breaks well, off under Maybe that's and- why they're not using real pencils anymore because they figured out those things are weapons. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you, you'd go sharpen your own pencil and it would get like razor sharp at the end. Yeah. You could do some real damage. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's probably why they ruled those things out. Okay. And then a little further down, Garen, you mentioned that love and relationship are what at the, are what are at the center of the universe. Can we just sit on that for a second? Because that's a huge statement. Yeah, it is a huge. That love and relationship are what are at the center of the universe. Yeah, so, and the center of everything. Yeah, everything. It's the core of everything. If this story is true, which I believe it is, but that means that love really is at the center of everything. And so love really is the most important thing in the world, which is deep in my heart what I know to be true in reality. Yeah. So what are the implications of that? If at the center, because mankind for millennia have been asking themselves, what is at the center of all this? If it really is love and relationship, Garrett, what are the implications of that on my life? What does that mean to me? Oh, so many things. Um, I mean, we'll get to it at the end. It means I'm created for relationship with one who is much greater than I am, that that's my ultimate. I mean, I just was reading a book the other day about this idea and it talked about when you realize love is at the center of the universe, then that means how you use, the power is not a negative thing. But how you use power can be. It can be used to harm or it can be used to bless. And if love's at the center of the universe, that informs how I use my power. I use it only in a loving, self-giving, self-sacrificing way for the benefit of others. So that it affects everything, the way I think about all of my life. I think for me, implications might be that those things need to be higher on my priority list than they currently yes. are. Uh-huh. Because when, if you said rapid fire, Jordan, what are your top five priorities today? I might be like, uh, being productive, taking care of that thing, uh-huh. yes. you know, X, Y, Z. Yep. I bet you love and relationship are not in my top five. Yeah. But if they are at the center of the universe, if that's the point of all this, then that ought to be, man, something I'm striving for all the time. And that's why Jesus says like to the Pharisees, you guys are so concerned about your rules to the nth degree that you've missed the bigger things of mercy and compassion because he's saying love's at the core, not all the rules that you guys write and want people to keep. So right. not saying you don't get rid of any of that stuff, but love's at the core of all of it. It, yeah. it impacts so much how I think of Jesus, how I live my life, how I treat other people, how I treat people in the body. My value system. Yeah. Yeah, all that. So you kind of use that to set up this question that we kind of led with, but why did God, why did God create us? I mean, yep. why are we here? And uh and you said there's a few reasons that he didn't create us, which I was so glad you took us here first. It wasn't because he was lonely. Yeah, because he exists eternally in a community of self-giving love. That's who he is and has been for eternity. In my brain, God was sitting in darkness by himself <laughs> for, I don't even, time didn't exist yet. So yeah. you can't even put a time on it, yeah. but he was just sitting in darkness 
And then kind of, yeah, like twiddling his thumbs, humming to himself for millennia. And then he's all of a sudden one day, like, maybe I should make a friend. (laughs) Yeah. You know? And that's not how it was, but like, that's my default. And it's just like, was God lonely? No, he he was self-existent. He was perfect before that. He wasn't alone. It was a community of three. Yeah. This dance, this perichoresis, this dance of love going on between them. So it's not that he was lonely. It's not that he needed anything. That was your other point, that he needed something from us. And yet those are the two things that come to like my mind when I, when I think just right off the cuff, why did God maybe make us? Well, maybe he was lonely or maybe he needed something. And uh, that's just not- That's not what it is. That's He's not what it is at all. Self-sufficient. And that's what the old religions all said. Um, I mean, ahead of time we talked, I'd like to hear your A.W. Tozer thing because it's really good that that's how the ancient religions were all like the reason they created humans is they were, they created this thing and they were doing all this work, this earth, and they were getting really tired and annoyed. And they're like, let's create humans. They'll do the work. We'll just crash on the mountain and, and let him serve us and bring us food and drink and give us gifts on the altar that we consume. Yeah. Very self-serving, but that's not the God of the Bible at all. Right. Yeah. Tozer uh, said that essentially, if the story of God and if who God really is, if that had shown up in other cultures uh, in human history, that'd be a really concerning thing because that means it's something that we could have thought up and created. The fact that it is so wholly different than yeah. every other created being we've seen. Yeah, any other religion, any hands, other God. It, it brings validity to God. Yeah. So uh, at first blush, it's like, well, this God is so different. How do we know this is true? But upon further observation, it actually builds a case for yeah. him. Because humans that need things and need to be served and yeah. need to be fed, the only God you can envision is a God that is the same. And that's what right. all those ancient gods were. This God is so unique. And he's like, I don't, I'm not lonely. I don't need you to give me anything. I'm going to create out of a different thing, which is out of the overflow of my love. Yeah. Which is a very radical thing. I mean, it's kind of mind blowing to even think about that, that that's why he created. So give us the give us the 30 second version on that, Garen, that, that God created not because he was lonely or needed something, but this overflow idea. Yeah, it's just this love that, this idea that love, one, love is creative, but love just extends itself. It, it spreads out, it shares, it's always looking outward. And so it's not just this core little group uh, just in love themselves and God forever and ever is like, hey, me, you, us three and nobody else kind of thing. There's this, this inclusive nature in him. If not, he's exclusive. He's like, inclu- like I want to bring more mm. into this community. But that idea that love is outward oriented, that's the way, that's the nature of love. So it, it makes sense that if he's a God of love, that that's what's going to happen is there's going to be this creating and inviting in. Yeah. First John four is true. And God really is love at his core. Then, and if, and if it's true that love extends itself to others yes. and doesn't leave others out, but invites others in, and it just makes sense that that, that ever-present God that's always been and always will be would naturally want to invite others uh-huh. into that dance yeah. with, with himself. Yeah, we right? want to create and extend the community. And that's why I think the parables are so important. Because as I've been, as over the years I thought about this, I thought, yeah, of the, the parables, there were three really big categories and two of them were family and feast. And both of those have that idea of extending that original community and making it larger for the joy of, of bringing it in. So we can talk a little bit about family and parties. Can we talk about family and parties, but can I ask you something else first? Yeah. Um, we talk about how God's love extends to others and he's a God who brings others in. And then you had this Benner quote and it says in love, 
by its very nature, always reaches out. Rather than being mm. content with the circle of love within the Godhead, God reached out to create others. So if we are to image God and mirror his love back to him, uh, then shouldn't we also be creatures that are not just content with our circle right. and content with our community? Yeah. Shouldn't we be creatures that are not exclusive, but inclusive? Yes. And that we have so much love to give that we're naturally inviting others into those parts of our lives. Yeah. And, uh, that's I what mean, we should be known for. This is challenging to me because I think we've all felt this way at some point. We've had something fun planned or we've got our group and it's like, nobody wreck this. It's yeah. going to be so fun. And there's times for that, yeah, right? There's, there's times, times to that. get away with right. just good friends and just close it off and say, we're going to go do this thing. And there's times for that. But if that's the pattern of our lives and we're never inviting others into our circle and we're never letting God's love like extend to others through us, then maybe it's time for a, a little heart check yeah. there. That's why healthy small groups are groups that are always willing to invite another person or another couple in. Right. Because of this idea of like, we're willing to include. And that word, you know, you said it, inclusion. For a lot of people who follow Jesus, it might be a dirty word because of what culture has done with it. Again, don't let culture co-opt great concepts because this concert of inclusion ex- instead of exclusion is rooted in the Trinity. And so I'm all for this concept and I can use the word, retweak what it means, but to not even tweak. I think our culture's tweaked it, but yeah, God, that's his nature is he wants to invite in and to enlarge. That that's we, what, that's what love does. Yeah. That we'd be an inclusive people, not an exclusive people. Right. And then, yeah. Okay. So let's get, you, you were taking us here, Garen. Sorry, I derailed us. That's there, okay. But you were taking us to, to family and to parties. And parties. Name two better things. You can't. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, just like the last couple of weeks, being at a Super Bowl party with your family. I yeah, mean, what's right? better than that? Yeah. And some friends, but. So on this family side, Garen, you talked about um, being married those first few years and it's just you and your spouse and it seems very normal and very, you know, like, this is what it is. It's great. Yeah. And you're very content. It's just going to be us for. And it's good. For 60 years and yeah, we're going to have a great time. This and is awesome. Just me and you. You get a couple of years in, you think, oh, we better add something to this. I don't know. Yeah. There starts to be this longing, this desire, <laughs> this kind of weird thing. Like almost where'd that come from? Like to want to add a person to that community. Yeah. It's, uh, but to me, it's so telling because it, to me, it tells the nature of God. And I definitely felt this way. I don't know if you felt this way pre-kids, but there is that worry that like, well, what if I don't have enough love for them? Yeah. What if I have to divide my love in half for my spouse and share it with them? And it's kind of, you're a little bit fearful. Yeah. You know, because you don't want to have a kid and not love them, yeah. which is such a silly thought, but. Or love them with half love. Yeah. And then when you have the second kid, now it's a third. Right. Now your you wife and a third it. to that kid and a third to that kid. And it keeps getting smaller and smaller with each kid. Yeah. And then you find out that love actually multiplies. Yeah. It's not a division problem. It's a multiplication yeah. problem that love actually multiplies when you have kids. And and you kind of talked about, you know, families and 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 how that happens. And I was just thinking, you know, imagine your family without your kids. Yeah. Once you've had them. Because you- at the beginning of your marriage, it's like, okay, I can't imagine anything other than this. Right. And now I can't imagine life without these kids. Yeah. And we love them so much. Yeah. And you wouldn't want it without them. And, and it's so terrifying and, and sad to think of life without them. But uh, that's what happens when love extends and multiplies. Yes. Like that's made possible. Yeah. And that that love that you have for your kids is just like a small, faint, fractional echo of God's love for you. Yeah. 
and that God wants to grow his family in that way. Yes. Except maybe God is cursed and that he can see, like we can't imagine our kids before they're in our oh, family. Right. But God yeah. sees everyone. Yeah, he sees everyone. And it's like, he wants them all and to be brought in. And he longs so badly for all of them. And yeah, But sadly, not all want to be part of it. Imagine that. Maybe that's even kind of a trippy thought. I don't know. Maybe this is too far out there. Imagine if you could see your kids before they were made and you're like, I want to bring them into my family, but you found out one of them rejected you. Yeah, but you can't. I mean, that's a weird yeah, thought. Right. I don't know. That's heavy. And that's yeah, it'll be very heavy. I'm I'm starting to maybe get a tiny glimpse of what it means when God, like it says in First Peter, wants everyone to come to know him, right? Just wants everybody in his family. Um, which makes this next part, all the more important, this evangelism part that we're going to talk about. Uh, yeah, this feast. Okay, so that's family. And now we're talking about feast. Parties. Uh, the parties. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking Super Bowl 50. Yeah, me too. Definitely. Right. I mean, that was a great party. That, that was a good one. That was a great one. This past year. Who won uh, that year? I'm trying to remember. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, they beat the Panthers. That's all I kind of remember. Panthers. <laughs> Cam Newton, who had a great year, MVP that year, I think. And then just yeah. some amazing defense kind of slaughtered him. And, Sheesh. Well, it'll come to us eventually. Yeah, it'll like, come we'll to us eventually. But. but you talk about these parties and, uh, you know, your whole point there was that we naturally want to include others in our joy. That when we're having a party or we're doing something fun, that we just naturally want to invite others into it, Garen. Do you have any, yeah, I have a- <laughs> any thoughts on that? More than what you just said, because I know that you, you taught on it. But- yeah, I mean, we with internationals, we always had a Super Bowl party. And inevitably, while we're there, students are calling somebody else and like, hey, we're having a great party, come over. And we'd end up with 45 or 50 by the end of the night because people kept inviting. Or recently, I had some guys come to my house to watch the Lego Batman movie, which, by the way, I, how it, like I said, how it didn't win the Oscar that year. How, raw, absolutely how raw. La La Land was a nominee Man. in Best Picture, but Bat, Lego Batman didn't even make it. I just, I don't totally, Ryan totally Gosling, don't get that. Such a hack compared to Batman. Yeah, I know. Man. But uh, anyway, so so we had this, <laughs> and I had like a core of four or five guys, and then one, we had no longer had we formed it by text. And then one of them's like, hey, well, what about Nathan? We need to invite Nathan. And then another guy's like, yeah, what about him? And it, it grew. And this is the nature of when you're enjoy when you know there's going to be joy, um, that you want to bring other people into it to share it. <coughs> Excuse me. You got worked up there. Yeah, that's, I did get worked up that's there. That's good though. Lego Batman will do that to me every time. <laughs> hey, we don't mention Batman that much because we know what it does. That's why. <laughs> so it's this natural need to bring others in. And do you think that's I mean, I'm kind of setting up here, but it's got to be because we reflect God, right? Yeah, it's and that's His heart. Him. Yeah. So I'm, even this, even this little like, these, I just love when these little parts of humanity that maybe we don't even think about, when we examine them, they actually point us back to God. Like our desire, whether you know God or not, to include your friends on things. Yeah. And the, and just the fact of the universe that things are more fun when more people join in. Yeah. And that is even like a small reflection of God. Yeah. So cool to me. Yeah. I mean, even here's Nellie. She's not even four yet. The other day, you know, she saw the moon and she loves the moon. And she's like, Papa, look, look. That even at that age, there's just this innate human desire to share an experience with other people, invite them into it. And so, and that's a reflection of the triune God. And that's and you didn't, you didn't you didn't teach Nellie to say that. Didn't even teach. Yeah, didn't even teach. It's, her just, say, it just, it's just innate. It's part of the image of God inside of us. So cool. A little further down, Garen, you talked about uh, John 17, 21, this kind of mysterious verse you brought to us with a 
earlier message and you brought it back out again. It's when Jesus is talking to the father and he says, father, just as you are in me and I'm in you, may they also be in us. And we're still not a hundred percent sure what this means, but part of it has to be this inviting of humankind into the dance with them. Yes. uh Right. That's gotta be part of it. Yeah. Into this fellowship, into this, again, that language is so mysterious. And it's like, if you tried to think about it, it'll fry your brain, but that desire, like we want them in this community. Yeah. We want them in the dance. In the circle. Yeah. In the circle. We want to be inclusive. Yeah. You know, you talk about what motivates, uh, what motivates God to know us or like maybe a better way to say it is like what he wants from us. And that's, that's really been at the heart of this thing. And the truth is that what God really wants for us is to be a part of this family yes. that he really wants to invite us in. Yep. But I think that human nature, when we look at God, we, and if we don't understand it, we might think, well, what does God really want from me? Well, he wants me to behave right. Yeah. Follow he, the wants, rules. he wants me to follow the rules good. or repent or feel bad for my sin. Yeah. And we don't see the invitation to the party. Yeah. We don't see that he wants us to join the family. And so I guess I'm just really hopeful that somebody who had that warped view of God yes. heard yesterday or maybe is listening now and is starting to see, and we'll trust, don't trust us, but trust God's word that this is really who he is. Yes. And that joining his family really is something that's joyful and it's not like you've got to live up to it or yeah. earn it in right. any way. It's just an invitation into a relationship that we, a gift and we receive it and it was paid for by Jesus. So yeah, that's, that's and an awesome man, idea. Man, I can't imagine a better, like top to bottom, a better service than the one we just had to like image all of that to people yeah. with baptism and then this message. So yeah. And, and just even cool if you think of baptism. So even this week, the words, I am baptizing you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit has become even more meaningful right. to me yeah. because when you accepted Christ, you came into the family of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's what he wanted all along. So those words have even grown in their significance to me. So from now on, when I do a baptism, I'm like, man, they have accepted the invitation into the divine community, into the dance, right? God's dance, into the party, into the family. That's really cool. It is really cool. So Garen, I think a a challenge maybe that you can leave us with here as we're nearing the end of our time. You know, you pose this question at the end, does your heart match his? Does your heart match God's? Um, do you want a full house just like he does? Yeah, he wants his house full. Do I want his house full? Do you want his house full, right? Are, yeah. are you content? Because you guys, you know, quote unquote saved and you're good. Yep, I'm in. So I'm punching my card and, you know, I'm going to hang out until Jesus takes me yep. home. Enjoy the Super Bowl snacks and right. all that. Enjoy the perks of being in the family. Are you, are you that good and faithful servant that till the end will be looking to bring others into? Yeah. And does it really break your heart yeah. When you see people outside of God's family, because it breaks God's heart. Yeah. So if ours doesn't line up with his in that way, then I mean, something's got to be off, yeah. right? It's like you're in the party and he's at the window looking outside, waiting for that mm. next. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to think about it. So is that me? Am I just, am I just enjoying the game and the TV or am I also thinking about who can I help? Mm-hmm. help who can I help lead here to come yeah. into this party? Because you know, like the lost son, the dad's looking far off and what he's watching for is where's my next one that's coming right. home. Yeah, true. And is that my heart or am I just, like you said, I'm enjoying the party and all the goods and I'm, I don't share that, his vision and I'm not working towards bringing more into the community. So that challenge to me, this just calls me back to evangelism and how important it is. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, let's go out with that in mind. 12th, we are sent uh, that our heart would match the father's, that that what breaks his heart would break ours, 
that we would want to see others join this community, join this dance, just like we were invited into by yeah. somebody. Hope this was useful. Hope Trinity has been good. Hope that baptism service was uplifting and uh, inspired you to remain hungry to see others join the family of God to fill his house. So let's be sent on that mission this week. See you at 12th.